0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz and this is episode 162, Writing Tips for Debut Authors, an interview with Terry Ferris, coming to you on Thursday, October 31st, 2019. Now, if you're listening to this on the day it airs, you might be thinking candy or costume parties or trick-or-treating, but what I'm thinking about right now is tomorrow nanoRimo begins. Yay! National Novel Writing Month. If you don't know much about it, you can go to nanorimo.org, which you might not know how to spell. It's basically the first couple of letters of each of the words for National Novel Writing Month. And if you just Google that, then you can get to their website. And when you see the one that says nanorimo.org, you'll be like, yep, that's the one. So I just got back from a weekend in Paris where I got to see our really good friends from Australia. Yeah, I'm from the United States, living in Sweden, flew to Paris to see our friends from Australia where they were vacationing it's a small world, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, we had a fantastic time. I saw um, this uh, amazing little girl that I haven't seen since she was about two. And I loved her then. And I love her now. And I got to finally meet her five-year-old sister. And oh my goodness, we had so much fun. And we ate so much. We talked so much. and We laughed so much. And after the girls were busy doing other things, we drank a lot too. French wine. It was quite delicious. (laughs) So we had a very relaxing, fun weekend, feeling loved and loving our friends, and it was fabulous. I love I love times like that when you can just spend with people that you're so comfortable with and you have such a history with, you know? In fact, I loved writing about people like that too, which is part of what I'm going to be working on during NanoRiMo. So our friends went home early Monday morning, but our flight wasn't until much later Monday night. So John and I walked around Paris and we ate things and we looked at things and we people watched and we took pictures and bought things and ate more things. <laughs> it was so fun and so relaxing. And we spent a good part of our walking around. In fact, I think we were, yes, we were. We were actually in the um, the big open space that is the Louvre, like not inside the building. Of course, I wanted to go in again, but the day is just um, not long enough to do every single thing. So we, we just decided that we wanted to walk around the garden area again. And so we were talking about, uh, you know, what are our writing goals for this next month and for the next year and how are we going to accomplish them? What are we going to do to become better writers every year and um, get more writing done, but more quality writing done? It was, I love walking and talking and having these conversations. It happens probably once or twice a year and it's one of my favorite times. (laughs) Um, So... Don't feel like you have to either do this thing the way that it was organized, which was to write 50,000 words in one month, which comes out to just under 1,700 words a day, or if you don't work on weekends, a little closer to 2,000 words a day. Um, John's going to be editing, I think, during the... You know what? Nope, we changed that when we were walking around. (laughs) Um, He is going to uh, harness the energy of, you know... uh, Few hundred thousand people around the planet all writing at the same time and he is going to write something new he already has some novellas that he had in mind anyway he they've pretty much been all plotted out for a while he just hasn't had the time to write them yet and what he's supposed to be doing is editing but he's like no i'm gonna use all of the positive energy and you know go 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 of nano to get some more writing done and then um this whole next year is probably going to be doing a ton of editing. He has so many first drafts because it's his favorite part. His favorite part is writing the story. He doesn't really like editing that much. But um, just because other people are doing a whole lot of first draft writing doesn't mean you do. I've many times used the energy of all these people and all this hurrying and all of the just the positive energy. I love it um, to do editing. Because editing was the thing that I really had to do. So, you know, do it however you want to do it or don't do it at all. But I have to say that um, if you go sign up and you make some friends and then follow each other and see what everybody else's word count is, there have been many, many times when at the end of a day, I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm done for today. And then I'll go look at my friend's word counts. And if they're within 500 words over mine, I'm like, okay, I could write 600 more words so there's you know friendly competition that keeps you going 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 um stuff like that it's kind of awesome basically and of course if you do manage to get 50,000 new words written and um and you send it into the little word checker thing and then you get the certificate thing um you know it's all digital but it's also all free, so keep that in mind, too, um, though, of course, it does have a lot of costs involved, and um, they would love it if everybody donated $10 for the month, which I think is ridiculously reasonable for the amount of um, things that you get out of it. You get a weekly email from, you know, some famous author giving you a pep talk and, you um, yeah, there's just a lot of really great positive energy going. So if you haven't done it or you haven't done it for a while, and I don't do it every year either, uh, give it some thought because I, I like anything that will give me more positive energy to get more writing done, more writing done faster. (laughs) Um, and then I just have to balance off, um, like the quality of the writing against um, the speed, and that's an individual decision for everybody. So I'll leave that up to your own thoughts and uh, how you prefer to do your writing. Um, I will say that the first year, was it the first year? I think it was the first or second year that I did it. uh, I was listening to other people say, you know, just write anything, even like, just keep your fingers moving. And even if you're typing, I don't really know what to say next. And I'm not sure what happens next, but I'm still typing. And I found that the most difficult manuscript to clean up of anything that I've ever written. So I will not be doing that again, even if it means that I'm not writing 50,000 words. Because, um, yeah, the junk stuff was just too difficult for me to, um, to be in a, to continue to have positive energy when I went back later to edit that so anyway find your own way um, or don't do it at all if it's too much pressure but don't think of it as pressure think of it as fun and positive energy and um, if you're on there you can friend me if you want can't remember if um, if it's just as easy as searching for a name and and clicking uh, add as buddy or something like that but um, yeah because they uh, every, every year they improve the website and little things change just a little bit. So anyway, I'm on there as Kitty Buchholz. So you can come find me or check out, see how I'm doing. <laughs> oh, now I'm nervous because now I just told you to go check it out. Ah! But um, yeah, there's also a lot of gamification. Which is to say that like after a certain number of days of writing in a row, you get a little badge that says you wrote this many days in a row. And after a certain word count, you get a badge. And there's a lot of badges you can earn very quickly to keep your momentum up in the very beginning. And then it takes a little longer, you know, between badges, Um, which is good because, you know, by then you've really kind of gotten into it. So... Anyway, lots of talk about NaNo because it happens tomorrow and I'm excited. A lot of people are excited. I hope you're excited whether you're doing it or not. I hope that you are excited about your writing, excited about where you're going with it and what you're doing with it. And, um, and sitting down and, and getting some words in today or some plotting or some brainstorming in today. In the meantime, we have a great interview with Terry Ferris, and she is a debut author who's been writing for 10 years. So she has spent a lot of time improving her writing, improving it some more, improving it some more, and then got an agent, got a book deal, a book came out. Yay. So she's got some tips too on what she did and how things worked for her. So I hope that you find that encouraging and, um, and motivational and she's just playing fun. So I think you'll really enjoy the interview. Meanwhile, I will keep on doing the weekly podcast and writing 50,000 words in November. So we will see you next week and we can talk about word counts if you want. All right, have an excellent day. Happy writing and here's Terry. Today's guest is Terry Ferris. Terry has been writing fiction for more than 10 years. A member of American Christian Fiction Writers and My Book Therapy, she works for My Book Therapy and writes for the LearnHowToWriteANovel.com website and is also a 2017 Genesis Award winner. She has an MDiv from Asbury Theological Seminary and lives in the Phoenix, Arizona area with her husband and their three children. Although she lives in the Southwest now, she lived in a small town in Michigan for 25 years. Welcome, Terry.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me today.
0: Absolutely. First of all, when I opened up your book and in the very first paragraph, it said something about February in Michigan. I was like, I already love this book because I'm from Michigan too.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. What part of Michigan are you from?
0: Okay. So for anybody who's watching on YouTube people from Michigan, hold up the palm of their right hand because this is the shape of Michigan. It's actually going to look exactly opposite on YouTube because of the the way the video gets flipped around. But So I'm from Traverse City, which is near the top okay. of the pinky. Yeah. yeah, which of course you know because people, if you're looking at Michigan, your uh, your imaginary town is yes. from near the base of the pinky and the outside right. of the hand, right? Yes. yes and absolutely. then where are you from?
1: Like, I'm pretty Uh, sure
0: I know, but... I'm actually from the center palm down middle,
1: right near Jackson. Yeah. A small town called Spring Arbor is where I grew up, so...
0: So, weird thing. Didn't I read in your um, press release that your parents also, like, lived their lives in Spring Arbor?
1: Yes, they actually both... um, I think my mom moved there in junior high, and my dad moved there when he was five, and so, and both, so both of my grandparents all lived there, so when I move back. It's very much that small town. That everybody knew my parents, my aunt and uncles in town. The big joke was you never say anything to a Thompson because they could be related to the person you're talking to in town. <laughs> so, yeah. You have to be careful yeah. what you're talking about because he might be related to them.
0: Right. Well, and the reason why I'm laughing is because my parents and, and my grandpa owned a hotel, a motel in Spring Arbor for- Uh-oh some years, which means that my parents and your parents might have known each other. They probably did. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That
1: is, that is hilarious.
0: I love small towns. It's a very Michigan. small
1: town. One part time, somebody said that there was a, a company there and I was like, no, that company's not in spring They're like, oh, it's probably a part of the town you don't know about. I'm like, It's a mile long, so I'm pretty sure I walked the entire town. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it would be difficult to, um, I mean, Traverse City is bigger. It's like 15,000. And of course, that's the other funny thing is that, you know, you and I being from genuinely small towns, but now you live in a big city. I live in a big city. Have you had conversations with people where they're like, yeah, I'm from a small town too. It's like only 50,000. And I just burst out laughing. I was <laughs> just like, we had to have pregnancies in order for our town to get up to 2,000. <laughs> I
1: yeah, it is it is funny. I remember the day I realized that Jackson, um, which is right near, that wasn't a big city. It was just, I mean, it is considered a city, but it's not a big city. And I said something about, oh, the big city of Jackson. People look at me like, I think it's got like 50,000, maybe, six, you know, maybe closer to seven. I don't know. I know, I yeah. don't know, somewhere around there, but it's not like I moved to Gilbert and here in Phoenix, it's like, they all just bleed one from one city into the next. And, yeah. And And Gilbert's just constantly been on the growth. So it's had like, yeah, it's been gone from like 10,000 to like 200,000 in 20 years. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah.
1: yeah, it, It kind of blew up.
0: So that's the other funny thing that you and I have in common is that I also lived in Phoenix. <laughs> what part of Phoenix did you? Um, so first we moved to the part where all the prostitutes and drug dealers lived because we didn't know <laughs> that that's where everybody was. Uh, so we lived um, in between Thomas and McDowell on 48th Street.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: at the time I don't know if it's gotten any more cleaned up but every time we um go visit like the godchildren or something drive by our old streets and go it doesn't really look that much better I don't know. <laughs> and uh after the first um Let's see i don't think the guy actually died but there was like an almost murder and we're like okay regardless of the fact that we think that we can't afford anything else we need to not live here anymore and so we moved to Awatuki and lived okay also still on 48th street but um in between oh i want to say it was like um i can picture it in my head and you'll know exactly where it is but it was near i think it was near Awatuki ah- boulevard there's two you know how the streets are all one mile apart? Yep. I love that. This is the best thing. I know.
1: It's like playing battleship. You always know where your people people are.
0: Yes, exactly. So we were um, two of those mile streets up from that um, big long mall that actually is, I think the beginning of Chandler. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a bookstore. I think there still might be still one Barnes and Noble left there.
1: Yeah, we have a lot. Actually, we have a lot of Barnes and Nobles in our area.
0: That's awesome.
1: I have two actually pretty close to within a couple miles of my house. I have two big, maybe three. Nice. Yeah, we actually have. I actually was looking up though today um, if we have any bookstores besides Barnes and Noble. Because I was next week or in the first week or second week of November is support your local bookstore. Day. <gasps> so I was looking up. Um, do we have a local bookstore? Yeah. I did find one. I found one in Tempe. I'm going to drive over to today.
0: Oh, so, good. Yeah. Is it um, Changing Hands? It might be. No,
1: I don't know. It might be. I have to look that's,
0: again. I hope that's still there. I hope that one hasn't died because that was a great, 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 like small but big, you know, independent yeah. bookstore. I'll, uh, I love I'll have independent to look. bookstores too. <laughs> okay, so for all the audience who is not at all interested in things about Michigan or Phoenix. <laughs> why don't we talk about things that people will be interested in? So your very first novel has come out just in September called You Belong to Me, and um, it's the first book in a series, right?
1: It is, it is. This is going to be, they're all standalones, so each story is complete in its own, but uh, it is, You Belong This with Me is the first and I have a three books with Ravel coming out. It tells a little bit more of the story of the town as well, and each one has their own characters and their own story in completion. But the town, you can see it kind of evolve through the three stories.
0: Nice. Yeah. As I was reading book one, I was like, ooh. I think this is going to be a couple that will follow in a future book i hope so because i really like them and i want to know what's going on oh hey wait who are these people could they possibly be big enough characters that they'll have their own book oh i hope so they sound really cool and i want to know <laughs>
1: yes there is actually a prequel novella that is free on my website um, still for a limited time um and it is follows two of the characters you do meet Um, and you, when you meet them in, uh, the very end of the book, they're already together and they make a few references. Um, but that's, it's called, their names are Grant and Caroline, and they actually met in a prequel that kind of did introduce the town. I did that as a uh, newsletter, kind of a builder prequel giveaway. So that's still available through the month of November on my website.
0: All right. So if you're listening and it's still no later than November 30th, 2019.
1: Yes. And then i will Excellent. move it to amazon but that it does have a sample of, of you belong with me in it too so um awesome yeah so
0: cool right? Okay, so I was thinking um, two things. Uh, first, let's talk a little bit more about your book and the yeah, writing and, and stuff like that. Um, but then also, let's when we swing back around out of that and we're talking about um, more um, writing business stuff. Uh, talk, tell us, you know, how things are going with the, you know the newsletter freebie sign up. Not everybody has one. People have probably heard about it, but may not know you know entirely what it is. Or you know, people who are successfully building their list that way. So, but let's talk about that more later too, but first okay.
1: we'll talk about the book. Okay. Sounds great.
0: All right. So basically, I guess kind of start where you feel like starting. Um, okay. It's set in Michigan, which is it why is I was excited.
1: <laughs> it's set in Michigan and it's a very small town. Actually, the streets are all named after the streets of Mich- and Spring Harbor where I grew up. I chose the street names, um, but it's not laid out like Spring Harbor is at all, but uh, it's, Hannah, is uh, the main he- uh, heroine is Hannah, and she uh, is a realtor, but she's not very good at selling houses because she loves each house individually and wants to find just the perfect buyer for them. And you don't always get to buy the perfect buyer. You just get to buy a buyer. And sometimes when it's an old house, that buyer wants to tear it down. And she hates that. So she's really struggling against wanting to sell houses and yet wanting to restore the history, keep the history of the town. Uh, her best friend, Luke, it has uh, purchased the, uh, well, he's in a rent-to-own contract with uh, a house and one of the historical houses. And he is fixing it up. He's kind of a, he's very quiet. He's, I wouldn't call him a recluse, but he's very much just an introvert, very quiet, easygoing. And she's trying to get him to help her when she realizes she wants to, uh, she wants to get the whole town behind a contest to earn some, to win a grant, to invest more in the town. trying to get him on board and he's a little reluctant because she always comes up with these big ideas in his life and always ends up causing problems in his life but they are good friends from their childhood um they are uh and they almost got together in high school but they did not and then this is they've just been best friends but they have uh, stronger feelings for each other that come finally come to surface in this book so um it was actually kind of inspired in some ways The romance was by my husband and I, although we didn't know each other as children. Uh, He grew up in California. We were, uh, we actually met at, we met at my sister's wedding, but then reconnected at a a seminary. And we were just really good friends for a long time, um, like a year and a half before we actually considered dating. And it was just that whole friendship to slowly evolve into a a deeper uh, affection. So that was kind of fun to write it that way.
0: So
1: nice. um, yeah, it's been fun. And then it has follows two romances, which actually all my books in this series will do. They have a main romance and then a subplot romance. I just, I always enjoy that when I'm reading because, uh, I just feel like it's, if one romance is not going the way you want it, maybe the other romance is. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, this is, so, um, so yeah, I, I, it's again, it was this first book I wrote. Oh, I wrote it in 2012 I think and then I've been just polishing and revising and learning about writing and being patient being patient I think yeah I gave it to my uh, agent in uh, 2012 and just that patience of waiting for that right door to open and I guess that's always tell the writers one thing is, I would say you know just be ready for patience just be ready for whatever that journey some people and some people it goes really fast they write that book and the right it connects right in the right market and with the right publisher and they quickly have a contract and it did not i was it was the seven years of pursuing publication before i actually saw a contract and um now for me it was perfect timing with the ages of my children and everything that's going on and really i'm so glad because i was able to polish it up each uh, each time I was able to run it through, give a little bit more polishing, a little bit more understanding as I've grown in my writing. Yeah, um, but so it does. It was good, perfect timing, but it was a long timing. A lot of times it did not feel like perfect timing. It felt like a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. So you you had the you got the agent by querying them with this book?
1: No, uh, I actually got the agent. I had, I had a connection with her. Um, before, I had actually uh, had a small connection with her. Uh, she had seen it. She had seen my, my first book I wrote, which was not this book. And I, she had see, has saw, read that a little bit of it and said that when you uh, rewrite, because I said, well, I realized I read it wrong. I didn't really know what I was doing when I wrote this book. Yeah, I, My main characters didn't have goals. Imagine that. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, So she said, well, I like her voice. So when she writes this new book, have her submit it to me. So that's what I did. And so I I submitted it to her. And then uh, I also was at a conference uh, and going before uh, editors. And one editor said, well, I really like your voice. I like uh, this concept. But if I don't like it, it's because I don't think this works in the plot. And so he got back to me right away, which means he really was considering it because he got back to me within a month. And he says, I, I'm not interested, which means he didn't like this part of the plot, which I thought, well, probably doesn't work. That part doesn't work that, you know what I mean? I know it's not just one person's opinion, but it was a pretty big thing. He said, I just don't think this works in the market. Yeah. So I, it was Hannah's goals and stuff. So I, that's when I made her, okay, I'm gonna make her a realtor. And she loved, she always loved the historical and she always loved all these things. But I just, I'm like, okay, how could I bring that out? And so I ended up kind of, making her a realtor and changing her goals. And it really did help the story to pop and come alive. And so that was exciting.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, that's definitely a good tip for people listening, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was patience and, and listen, I mean, I had to be really willing to grow and listen and throw things away that I loved
0: because it wasn't working. So. And I think that's probably the hardest part too. Do you think that, um, do you think that it was difficult to see the parts that weren't working because you loved them? Or do you think that as you were learning, you were able to then see them and then it was just hard, but knowing that you had to cut things and change things?
1: Um, I think both. Uh, it's a funny thing was, is my, the opening scene of the Pickle Novella is actually was the opening scene of this book. Oh. And... I finally decided it just wasn't working because people did not find her, It just because of the, it, the situation, they did not find the heroine likable during that scene. Now, it works in the prequel because it's a different setup. It's not the same, uh, this guy I've always known in my life. Um, and But anyway, when I pulled that out, so many people were like, oh, I love that scene so much. It's hard to say goodbye. I'm like, I know, I do too. And which is funny because then I actually the prequel came because i was like what scene would this work in i love this scene so much what kind of a situation would this work in and it's a it's actually a breakup scene it's pretty funny and wow. and so i had to figure out what kind of a story would it be would it work in? and then i just kind of that's how the story unfolded um and with so you never know sometimes you can save some of those lost favorite pieces and yeah. You can
0: <laughs> yeah 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 it's funny because um, the scene that I finally decided that had to come out um, that used to be the opening of my um, superhero novel. I write superhero books for women oh, and awesome. romantic comedies. So it's part of the reason I was reading your books going, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> but um, yeah, same thing. I was like, all right, this scene doesn't work at all, but I do like it. I wonder what else I could do. And I just made it, yeah, a prequel. Okay. <laughs> so yep. yeah. So you don't
1: have to waste everything. Sometimes it can just work. Uh, And I also wrote, I ended up having to write uh, Hannah and Luke's backstory, like what really happened in high school, because it just seems so vague. And I don't, so I just wrote the whole story out and one time, and it's it's not long at all. It's like five chapters. And I sent it to my uh, critique partner, and she was like, I love this. And so I think I'll probably, after I'm done with the prequel, I'll probably put it on my website as just a freebie. If you guys want to see their high school, it's not like super... It's not, I always tell warn people though it's not a happy story because they get there happily ever after, and you belong with me. Yeah. If I was happy, we wouldn't need this book
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> so. oh, that's awesome, and that's another great tip for people too like i I have a file that's the things I've cut, but I don't just. I just don't hit the delete button because right. you never know if something is going to be a long section, you may have readers later who are like, yes, I got to read this other thing on the website, even though it was, you know, I mean, I'm one of those people who watches uh, the the bloopers and the gag reels in particular, yeah. but also mm-hmm. cut scenes and stuff on DVDs.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: People like it.
1: Yeah, they do. So yeah, I, I've tried to pull some of those that I'm like, oh, this is a good scene, but it just doesn't work. So I'll yeah. Off, or, yeah, it's always good there.
0: Nothing wasted nice so um so did you say 7 years
1: 7 years from yeah when i started pursuing publication with this novel till it actually saw a contract and then it was another i was a year before the book came out so
0: sure right right okay so uh help our listeners to know like what did you do that you think is good advice? What did you do that you're like, don't do this, don't copy what I did here? Um, Like what sorts of things might you be able to encourage people with this possibly long journey?
1: Yeah, uh, one is to really uh, find a community of learning. Um, For me, and I I ended up, I ended up getting involved with my book therapy to the point that now I work for them but I love it because I feel like the way Susan May Warren teaches is so hands-on it's so um like her her books on writing were the first ones that I could just fly through it made so much sense to me she uses a lot of map movies to explain points and I used to, I've read I tried to read several writing novels before that and I'd get partway into them and be like oh, this is so dry and I can't you know <laughs> like, oh. But hers, I just flew through and I loved, I mean, they're all marked. And mine are still, having them, they're all tattered and marked up and highlighted. And, and because I felt like they're the first ones that really connected with me. And I still go through them. The other day, I'm working on book two right now. And I felt like there's, okay, there's something missing in the romance. And so I like flipped through her, uh, how to write a brilliant romance. And I'm like, I'm like flipping through it. And I'm like looking at some of my notes, like, oh, I think that's it, you know? And so, um, it's just so, uh, hands-on, practical, and she also had, we all, uh, My Book Therapy has a uh, online community that meets once a week on Thursday night pep talks. Those were huge for me because on Thursday nights, we, I log in and even if it wasn't necessarily applying to what I was writing at that point, it always sparked ideas in my writing. And it always was like, almost that accountability, even though no one's like, hey, did you write this week? It was like, see, I'm, I'm getting writing done. Hey, look, you know, I'm gonna spend this time with writers was doing so kind of kept me moving forward plus you know there's things I realized I need to add in um like oh one of them was uh the pillars uh there's this I can't give away anything but there's this song in the end of the book and uh that came that was that was probably on the third revision that it was the idea that uh that she has uh, Susie talks about the four pillars of a novel and that idea that um, just really feel like not all is lost. You know, I mean, like the, when there's the redemption, there's, there's certain things in a novel that you can't necessarily uh, fix, but you can show some healing in the midst of the brokenness. And yeah. so uh, there's a lot of those things that I was like, ooh, I could just, and, I, and people love that point. I and mean, people have talked to me and be like, this is such a powerful scene, Terry. And I was like, and I'm like, well, good. That didn't even make it into the fourth time. And people love, <laughs> <laughs> and people love Otis. Uh, which is this hippo that mysteriously moves around town. And he actually was the very last version of the book. Just before he got picked up up by contract, he was the last thing I added. And that was because of a class I took at ACFW, which I highly recommend as well, um, being involved with. And I took a class from Liz Johnson about just how to make your setting a character. And I was like, you know, that's really what I need to do with heritage because Especially in this first book, we, I just really talk about like, it's run down, it needs to be fixed up. But I, I didn't want people to be like, why do people live there? It's almost terrible. Yeah. So I wanted to give it some likable aspects that people are like, oh my word, what a cute town. So yeah. they could kind of have some of that feel that Hannah has without it seeming, you know, like, so just these little things. So we have this mysterious brass hippo that nobody knows how. It works. And you will, people always ask, will we find out? You do find out how it moves, but not until book three. Nice. And uh, there is a hint in book one and a hint in book two, but they're very vague hints. And, um, and so you'll get the, um, they'll, but they will explain everything in, in book three. So, and nice. only one person knows because they say, who knows? My my writing partner, who we've been writing buddies for years, and she knows, because she helped me brainstorm it out, how to make it work, and um, she's the other one, so my kids are like, mom, you've got to tell us, I'm like, nope, not telling anyone,
0: (laughs) nice, how old are your kids, are they old enough to read your books?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, my 15-year-old son is, but he has no interest in reading them, but I have a 12-year-old daughter, and she is love. she's just getting into that, reading more grown-up books and and I feel like they're you know they're obviously clean so I'm like she she enjoys them and then my son who's 10 wants to know but he doesn't want to read the book
0: yeah yeah just tell me mom (laughs) just tell me mom
1: I don't really want to read the book but actually my daughter uh and my my daughter the names come from my daughter and my nieces because my niece Hannah a few years ago when I was writing a book my first book before she said why doesn't Terry name any of the characters Hannah and I said, how about this? Next time I write a book, I'll name her Hannah. Well, that ended up being the first version of You Belong With Me. And her best friend at the time was Jamie. So that's where I get Jamie from. And then the second book is my niece, Libby. It's, it's her name is it's the, the main character. And then her best friend is a subplot, which growing up, one of her good friends was named Olivia. So that's where Olivia gets the subplot. And then the third book is my niece, Leah. And Leah, um, one of her good friends is uh, well. I can't tell you the plot is yet. Well, it, right, yeah, yeah, because it, it gives a little bit away. So yeah. um, but yes, we'll
0: come back. So. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. just got to make your the kids in your life like so excited.
1: Yes, and my daughter Danielle and my niece Ellie do get books, but they're novellas that are going to come between books. Nice. So, um, Danielle's book will come between book two and three. And then Ellie, I'm hoping, will be at the, at the end, kind of an ending novella.
0: And Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good segue into the business side of things. So let's talk a little bit about um, the novellas in between. Um, how are they being published? What, what was your decision? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to, to, uh, to the why are you doing it. but um, And also, you know, then we'll segue into the uh, newsletter and why you give a piece away and how, how you think that's been working for you, particularly as an author that even though you've been writing for a long time, this is actually your first published novel. So why don't we talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I came up, uh, first I had the idea, my agent threw out the idea to me. About having a prequel novella um, years ago when I first gave it to her. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know, because all, the story starts with Hannah, so I can't imagine what I would possibly do. Um, and so I just kind of was like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. Well, then when I was writing my first version of the second book, which is what I'm trying to finish right now, uh, it also these characters appeared, and I'm like, oh, they'd make a great first story. And so, uh, I said, okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take it and do it at a prequel novella. And I ended up doing that. Now, when I pitched it, the series, I did pitch it with the prequel novella. And I said, you know, I gave them this option. And when they went to the contract, I said, do you want this? And they said, no. And then I asked, I had my agent really push to be able to have two novellas written into the contract. So basically, a lot of times they'll say, you know, you can't write anything while you're under contract with us until the con- you've fulfilled your contract. Right. So, I had uh, two novellas written into the contracts that I could release independently. Uh, novella length, sixty thousand words or less. And so um, that
0: sixty thousand—that's very generous word count.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, it's it's under under short novel. You know, I think yeah, it's anything right. short novel and below. And so um, mine, I think the novella I've been getting raised forty five thousand. Uh, so it's a, it's a hefty novella. It's, yeah. Um, but so I did that uh, and they were excited to kind of see what I could do with it. They said, it's just not there, And they weren't against it. They were actually excited. They just didn't want to. Um, they just said, that's not where that's not really where they go, but they thought yeah. I could do a lot with it. And I actually have been able to, um, I've had over 1200 signups and I have a couple more pushes I'm going to do before I pull it down. And at the end of November. And this is just allowed really to introduce a lot, get a lot of audience that wouldn't necessarily want to take a chance at a new author. Um, It tells a story and then it does include the first chapter of You Belong With Me. So it kind of gets to introduce you to these characters. You do meet Hannah and Luke in the novella. You also meet
0: uh,
1: Olivia. Actually, you see Olivia and Nate in a tiny bit of what's been going on you oh. see their first interaction because you have like in this book you're like what's up with those two
0: right so obviously
1: you get a lot of answers in book two um but you see that their first couple interactions happen in the novella um you see uh let's see who else do you meet you do actually meet the heroine from book three in the. all right oh. and so she um she ends up leaving town at the end of it but she will come back obviously for the third book and yeah. um so it's, it just allowed me to kind of introduce the town, introduce these friends, um, and uh, people just really did respond to it well. Uh, I've had a lot of positive. And I think that's a big thing is people have to, when you're considering doing this, is I did give, give it my best. Um, I put as much effort into it as I would uh, a full novel, and I put as much effort into it as I would something that was going to go under contract. I paid yeah. to have it professionally edited and uh, I would, I just put a lot of effort into that to make it, I wanted people to get the best representation of my writing and I didn't want to give them up because I have read prequel novellas before or a novella by an author that I was like, oh, I'll try this author out and I get something free and it, it's not, I could, it may have not been the best work but it did kind of, it kind of soured me because I was like, well, this is a, this is okay but I'm not necessarily gonna go on and pay for something. Now, right. I I so I just wanted to make sure if I gave them something I wanted it to be a representation of my writing so that they would say oh especially being you know and, and it's different for different authors if you have a if you have an audience of 30,000 who are used to yours and they you just try to get more email sign ups they already know your writing that's different yeah. me yeah. they have, I was I was a nobody they have no idea my my writing so I need to make that splash as big as I can yeah. and say hey I'd like to introduce myself this is how I write And are you interested? And so, but uh, again, my publisher was great with with me. I asked them if I could include the whole first chapter in the back of the book. Absolutely. So um, I have moved it over to Amazon, um, but it's still free at my website. I mainly did that because uh, I was having people put up some reviews who have read it so that when I finally move it solely on Amazon, it already has some reviews. It already has some momentum. Uh, Yeah. And because eventually I'll, I'll probably move it to K- uh, Kindle Unlimited, which gives yeah. it a little bit more of a reach. Again, I'm hoping to reach a different audience that I've reached up to that point. And yeah. I think that's my goal with this first book is just to continue to use it to reach further and big uh, different audiences so that it, they can then point to my, my
0: full novel. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Now, um, as someone who writes and reads romantic comedy, um, my my want the way that I want to describe your book is romantic comedy. I'm sure that probably that's not the way that Ravel necessarily advertises it, but what do you call it?
1: I don't know. I always tell people it's inspirational romance with a touch of humor because I always, I will say I get very intimidated by the word romantic comedy because I don't want people to be read it and be like, that's not funny. Oh. <laughs> because honestly, I don't think of it as funny. I just think, I don't think I write funny. I think Hannah's a funny character. And so she just naturally is funny, but I'm like, well, what if somebody writes it and they don't find Hannah funny? They're going to be like, this is why is this romantic comedy? This isn't funny. And I'm like, oh, so (laughs) I honestly didn't even think I wrote funny until people started describing like, oh, Terry, you write, you're writing hilarious. I'm like, uh, is it though? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, and the thing is, is that, um, it's the kind of hilarious that, like when everybody is trying to be serious you're just laughing at how ridiculous you know this or that yeah. is is happening um just things like the the ice cream and i think that was chapter 1 or 2 so i'm yeah. not really giving anything away yeah. you know but like she's really upset she's eating all the ice cream in her bowl he gets the ice cream out of the freezer again hands it to her again she puts more in her bowl i just think it's funny it's funny that he knows her that well and yeah. it's funny that she's just like 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 you or me or you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say it's true. Now I will. I do think there's a little bit less humor in the second book, only because I feel like the characters are just less funny people. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're just much more of a serious person. Where Hannah's much more, and I don't know, just kind of yeah. like you say, kind of a mess. And he knows her, and they're just a hilarious together. Um. So got I guess I don't mind people you know, thinking it's funny, and I'm glad they do. I do. I just am like. Oh, I hope you I mean, people think it's funny because I don't think of it myself as funny. I'm like, it's just real. This is right. people. That's just who they are. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And then, uh, but next, in the next character, she's a lot more serious, but I still think she has her funny moments because life is full of funny moments.
0: Right. It's so true. Even the times that are really ridiculous, you know that eventually you're going to laugh about this or that. Not today, but eventually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, nice! All right. Well, let's see. So, um, what what kind of advice would you like to give to people? Do you want to talk about some of the things that you've seen, heard, done on my book therapy, or do you did you have any, um, kind of a few tips in mind from your own journey that you wanted to share? Um, yeah.
1: The biggest thing I think I've been learning lately, of where I see really the difference between like a beginning writer and a writer who's really starting to, I would say, get it, like, yes, you're finally finding your voice. And I know people always get intimidated by like, Oh, well, you need to find your voice. Well, what is my voice? And I think that's just that how you write. And that only really happens through experience of writing. So yeah. write, And the more you write, the more your voice comes out. Um, but I think one of the things too, is that when we talk about it, and it's been around for a while, but that, uh, the whole deep POV and, uh, and it's really along with that, that whole showing versus telling. And I used to always think showing meant like you have to show him walk to the door, not just tell that he walked to the door. You have to show that he opened the car car door. And that's not really what it's about. It's, it's showing what they really mean is um, instead of saying he was angry, what kind of mannerisms, what kind of things can he do that we know he's angry without even telling us his emotions? Like don't tell us how he's feeling, but you can – you know because a lot of times you don't just walk around thinking I'm angry I'm angry I'm angry so yeah but and you know you'll slam something down or you'll get frustrated or you you know like there's all these things that you have and I think the challenging thing for me is a horse giving everybody different mannerisms of how they react to things yeah because I tend to um you know like one that character I actually had that every time she had a headache, she massaged her temple with her ring finger, which worked for her. But then I'm like, no, I can't use it again because I can't have every character doing this every time she <laughs> is, like gets dressed and you know. Yeah. And and I I'm I mean, like now that I'm doing this, I really need to come up with a, a list of like, okay, this character's mannerisms, this character's mannerisms, so that I don't like repeat every time Terry writes a character who's angry. Yeah. That, yeah. You know? <laughs> Because everybody is unique, and so finding that. But I think that whole really getting deep into your characters. Uh, I was looking at some uh, uh, a writer's a writing sample yesterday from a writer who was asking me to look over it, and um, I could see like some of her growth through because it was a longer sample through her writing. But in the beginning, you know, just a lot of wanting to overtell, wanting uh, tell emotions, tell backstory. They just feel like you need to tell your audience all these things. And I'm all in favor of just making them wait. You know what? That's what the book's here for. You yeah. can get your answers. You have to wait for them. Obviously, without us, I don't mind making you people wait. And there's all the times my editor will be like, are you actually going to answer this question? Well, I'll get there. But... And I can tell she if she thinks it's taking too long, I can, you can tell me because I don't want to annoy my readers. But yeah. I'm okay with, you know, it's okay to make them wait. Drop some breadcrumbs, give little pieces. But the whole story doesn't need to come up front. You know, right. we don't often think, you know, you look at somebody and you're like, I'm remembering now about the day that you took me on a picnic and we sat and da da da, and you said this to me and everything changed in my world because, you know, I mean, like very rarely do you think through the entire, you know, when you but try to stay really, you have snippets of, you know, I thought of that day, you know, like when I saw him, that the day, whatever flashed in my mind, if you're speaking in first person. But anyway, have that idea versus the, drop a breadcrumb, of saying, you know, she thought of it, but then it was gone because that's how quickly people think of something. And then later on, give the opportunity to hear the whole story. But there's ways you can just weave it in and just stay really in their point of view, you know, with emotions, with, um, you know, the stories, backstories. I always want to overtell tell too. And I will tell people all the time, I am not exempt from this because I will try to help people. And I'm like, I'm not exempt from this. I, all the time, will tell too much. Or even in description, you, if you're really in deep point of view, you tell only really what they're going to notice. So we don't necessarily need to know everything in the room. What are they noticing and why? Like, what would be... And so, like, my guys do not notice a lot of design and color because my husband does not notice. Like, I could, we could walk through a room and I'd be like, what color is the couch? And he'd be like, there's a couch. Right. I didn't sit on it, so why do I need to know there was a couch, you know? So... I- I try to really think how would this person see the room and what would they notice and why and walk through things with them and not just list, not just dump description. Because I, I as a reader, tend to skim over dumps of description. So yeah. how do you weave it in to make it feel natural to the reader without, so, yeah. I always felt like I was bad at description, but I actually, that's one thing a lot of people have said with my book. They're like, oh, I love the way you weave in description. And I really thought of, I, I tried to nail it. And I, analyze there you go (laughs) how um but a lot of that I realize is I instead of doing a big section of description I would just put little bits here and there of what the the, um the character was experiencing in that moment yeah so I feel like as we're moving more the writing moves more and more to a deeper point of view um I feel like that's really kind of on trend what what publishers are looking for
0: yeah Um, yeah there's
1: those ways that you can look for that
0: And also, um, to not be concerned that your first draft is going to have too much of a whole bunch of things and not enough of a whole bunch of things. (laughs) That's okay. It's a first draft. (laughs) Yes,
1: I always say my first draft is draft. Usually for me is 90% dialogue. In fact, um, I just, because I guess that's how I see the scene and everybody sees it differently, but for me, I'm walking into a conversation and I feel like I'm just writing down everything I'm hearing. Then I have to step back and be like, read the conversation. Now I can look around the room now that I know what's being said and what's actually happening. What are they doing? How are they acting? What's going on? Once in a while I'll have mannerisms right up front that I know, but a lot of times they all get added in later as I'm set back and I feel like now I'm going to watch the movie. I listen to it and I'm going to watch it. And I, that's just, everybody has their own way of writing. And that's just kind of yeah. how I end up writing layers. However, I was working on one of my edits yesterday and I, was not careful enough and I realized something I submitted and then my I got back from my editor actually had the words um Olivia does something (laughs) oh (laughs) and I had it in parentheses because I wanted to give her an action but I was just doing the dialogue and I was like oops forgot to change that one (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and that's why we're all really glad that we have editors (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh as an aside I was listening to um I don't know if you uh, read uh, Urban Fantasy, but Jim Butcher's Harry Dresden um, books, The Dresden the Files, my all time favorite series ever. There's like 17 books in the series right now. And um, so I've read them and I'm listening to the audiobooks as well just because it's really fun. And the actor who does the narrating is just a brilliant audiobook narrator. Um, he's from uh, Buffy. Did you watch Buffy?
1: Uh, I saw episodes, but I didn't see all of them. Yeah,
0: yeah, James Marston. So anyway, he's really, really good at particularly at narrating these books. I have no idea what else he does, but he's brilliant. And Chad um, and I were listening to book four, I remember exactly, in the car. And then this really weird thing kind of, and we just looked at each other because you're like, is that really, for some reason it just sounds funny. And then- Because we looked at each other, we're like, should we just rewind that a little bit? And we realized that what we had listened to was he said the line, and then he realized that he had said something wrong, and then he swore, and then he kind of said it again the proper way. But it actually sounds like the book, the way he did it. And we're like, oh my gosh, that was like a total blooper that nobody caught because it just sounds in character.
1: so funny.
0: It was great. And then we got to meet the author and say, So, in audiobook four, this happens. And he thought it was pretty funny, too. So,
1: that's really funny.
0: Uh, you can't catch everything. You but that's catch why we everything. Have...
1: I actually had one person send me a letter and said, I'd like you to know I read your book and I didn't find any errors.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, you thank
1: like you. <laughs> Did you like the book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, that's funny yeah
0: nice um so what about series like what are your thoughts on writing a series and like any tips now that you're you know well into book two um what are your, what are the frustrations that you're finding that are unexpected or the things that are going better than expected
1: um one thing that's going I like I mean, like I said, one thing that's actually surprising to me, I should say, I love the series. I love connecting characters. I love being able to weave them in and out. Um, the thing that I find the most difficult is uh, that, because the way I did it, I have, I t- explained, I have a plot, a main plot, which is two characters and a subplot, which is two separate characters for a separate romance, which is great, but it means you go through twice the characters twice as fast. <laughs> yeah. So people were like, oh, wait, would you consider doing another heritage book? Um you know, soon, and I was like, I might come back to heritage, but I pretty much used all the twenties in the town. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, between okay, so I've got this, Those six characters. So those. That's. So that's. Yeah. Let's see. Four times three is twelve. So I've used twelve people, and then I have the prequel novella. Is two more, and then I'm going to have another novella. Is two more. So that's we're up to sixteen, and then I probably at the end if I do a novella at the end to kind of wrap something that's I'm like what at 16 18 people they're all the same age in a small town how yeah. many of them can you have i'm like i kind of need some time to pass to have people grow up yeah <laughs> and I'm yeah. all the people like i don't have any more people to use. yeah exactly so, i mean it's it's really kind of funny because i'm like uh maybe i'll come back to heritage in a few years after some of the people who are described as younger can then grow up and have their story but right now I need to get out of town. There's yeah. nobody left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a surprise. Like, I, it's something I totally did not anticipate when I started this, like how quickly I would eat through characters this way. Um, yeah. But I do, I guess one thing I love about writing a series is uh, for me, I liked the overall story of the town, really, like the, almost like the town's a character and the town kind of almost has its own character arc through the series. And... Um, and as I was thinking through that, it really made me think like, what do I need to do in the town in book three? That would really, you know, if you're looking at the town itself as a character, you know, okay, what what can happen in book three? And that would, you know, be big. So yeah. Like a, you know, a fire. I'm like, I can't do that again. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so things like, uh, so that's just very interesting how the town itself has become a character. And yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I thought about some other series and how I can do that where. It, even though you have individual uh, individual standalone characters, there's something bigger going on that connects them more than just they know each other. I love right. how there's something bigger going on that connects them together. And yeah, this story yeah. is telling a, bigger, a piece of a bigger story.
0: Right. And then you said you'll have one character who uh, left town and then comes back in book three. So at least that you can add a little bit of, of blood yeah. just from having people move there. or <laughs> That is the challenge. Out. Everybody
1: from book three has been away from town for a while. You see, uh, you meet one of them in the prequel and you meet one of them in book one, but they're gone through all of book two. And in book three, so i that has been a challenge for me because I'm like, how do I introduce them when we've only heard about them? We don't really yeah. know these characters. Um, and they're all people who, um, for example, the main hero in book three, I can tell you is, you know, it's Leah who left in the prequel, but the main hero is John, who is mentioned a few times is Luke's, one of Luke's best friends from growing up. He is actually um, Kensington's, the Kensington heir. He's, it's not his, long, it doesn't belong to uh, Dale Kensington. It belongs, George Kensington owned it all. And it's, it's his son and inherits it all, but he's been in Europe playing basketball. So um, he's coming home to, and so he's been gone through literally all the books and now he's coming home to try to, and it's, I'm trying to figure out, if, yeah, I don't know how else to. Maybe he'd come in his book too, but I don't think that's really
0: possible. Yeah. So, well, sometimes I think that the um the fact that we live in the twenty first century and we're when we write contemporary books makes things easier and harder. If we don't want somebody to know something, it's just about impossible to figure out a way to do it. It's not impossible, but it feels impossible. But when we do want somebody to know something, it's like, well, that's easy. You know, there's email and social media and Skype and texting and
1: yeah. Yeah, that was, it's really funny how a couple times I was, when I first wrote the prequel and I was having these characters and I was like, the problem is, is like uh, Leah and Caroline are the main, uh, Caroline's the main character of the prequel. When I was writing it, I'm like, but Leah and Caroline don't exist in book one. So how am I possibly going to, how am I going to make this work? Because you can't just have these people not taught, you know, they're such a key role in this and then also they're just gone.
0: And so that's why
1: I ended up up working that, you know, they end up both moving away. um, And then Leah ends up with book three moving back. But it's just kind of funny because I'm like, uh, the town is already here and they're not there. So yeah, but I've had that a couple of times where I was like, well, they would know that that's not going to work or they would know how am I possibly going to have them convey this, you know, not know this. Yeah. yeah. It gets a little tricky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, all the technology that's out there today, but
0: okay so let's see we've talked a little bit about business series um reminding people that the prequel novella is still available on your website through november 30th awesome and um book two do you have a um date for it yet a release date yes september
1: 2020 so and then uh book three is september 2021 so every september they'll come out uh so yeah it's really kind of exciting um I'm right now in the midst of my edits of the first round of edits. So I'm still piecing the big pieces of the story together and making sure it all fits, but that's uh, been exciting. And, uh, it's actually exciting and intimidating when people are like, Oh, I can't wait for the second book. And I'm like, Oh, I hope I do a good job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had seven years on the last one and now not seven years. (laughs) So
0: I was just going to ask you if that has been something that, um, that has been—I uh, don't know—I'm sure that it's at least a little bit difficult, but I don't know. I guess I was just wondering, like, how does it feel to go from I took seven years on this one, but I've got to finish the next one in this amount of time?
1: Yeah, it, I will say I've had my moments of I can't do this. This is hard, and um, and also I was it was hard to, is i was looking at the end result after many editors has had you belong with me, right? So then I'm looking at. Um, until I Met You, that's a new series, that's a new title, Until I Met You. So I'm looking at this one and it's early stages and I'm like, this is terrible. This is just terrible. This mm. book's terrible, no one's gonna like it. And so my husband was the other day, I had worked on it some more and gave it to him. He's like, I don't know why you're saying that. I feel like this is better than You Belong With Me was in the beginning. I'm like, but I don't remember the beginning. I remember the final edited version. <laughs> that's what I remember. Right. <laughs> and so it's it is something to remember that even, you know, Right now I'm going to the first edits, but still, yes, it can be polished up here and there, but it's, it's still, it's an early version, but it's not that bad. My husband's like, I think it's better than what the other one started. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> so, Thank goodness for your husband and your critique partner, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Speaking truth under us and saying it's okay. And just that when my first deadline approaching of, you know, will it come together? Is it coming together? Will this work in the end? And yeah, it did. It's coming. Yay. There's a few bumps still. i ironing out, but it's coming.
0: Yeah, but that's another thing to just um, to be able to to plant your feet on that rock and say, "This is just you know, publishing is a gravel road, not a paved road." <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there is something to um, when, especially getting reviews, good reviews, bad reviews, and I try not to read too many because it can really mess with your head. Um, yeah. But When one of them, uh, a negative review I saw, I had to really come to a point of saying, you know what, it's okay. I did not connect with that person. Um, I wrote the best book I could at the time I could write it. It will not be hopefully the best book I'll ever write because I hope to get every book better. Um, But at the same time, it was, I feel like I was being obedient to what God called me to do and write the best book I could. And I have to leave it at that and walk away to the next book. I can't wonder what i could have done better because it's it's a it's a growing it's always growing it's always you know like you you see it an artist you know like their beginning work hopefully their end work is getting better and better as they continue to grow in their art and yeah. so to give myself some grace in that and say you know what i did the best i could do now just leave it and you can't do anything about the reviews some people i've had responded with just amazing how it connected with them and how God used it in their life and those to me are where all of the the uh, why I write that is what I write and the negative reviews will come and that it's not going to connect with everybody and that's okay Um, but I've just really uh been really happy with the positive reviews and how um it has God has used it in people's lives and that's to me such a answer to why I write
0: that's awesome. That is awesome. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> that I love having um I love having things in every episode that are encouraging and motivating and inspiring and I just think that like we could just wrap up the whole interview with that nugget and be like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> why do you write? And I'm 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 finding moments that I've succeeded in the why and that's good. Mhm. That's really nice. Good. Awesome. Well, listen, I think that everybody who likes romance, sweet romance, um, who likes romance, it has a little bit of humor. I'm going to be careful not to say romantic comedy because I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I think that they should go read your book because okay. I am really enjoying it. I haven't been able to finish it yet, but um, but I, I will always remember it as the book that I started reading when I was in Paris. So <laughs>
1: well, I'm glad to know my book has traveled farther than I have. I want to go to Paris. So, hey, I know, right? Get to go to Paris. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's so funny because you know it's a it's a two hour flight from here. So from Traverse City, a two hour flight is like, um, well, Detroit's an hour from Traverse yeah. City on the plane. So what would it be like past past Ohio, maybe Louisville, Kentucky, or something? Right. So on the one hand, it's like not that far. On the other hand, even I, when I'm sitting there, like eating, eating a croissant in Paris. I'm like, I'm eating a croissant in Paris. It's so weird. <laughs> just uh, on over to a that's right. That's right. Maybe I'll write. But the thing is, is that all of my books are also set in Michigan. So it's just funny because like going to another country or a beautiful city or something, the only thing that it does for me is think, oh, what other kinds of people might come into my little town in Michigan, you know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. And do you think that you'll always write in Michigan? I've been wanting to ask you that question. I just forgot.
1: Um, probably, I don't know. I'm throwing out different ideas. I actually would love to, my next series be uh, in a different part of the country. I don't know what part of the country yet.
0: Um, not necessarily where you live now.
1: I don't know. I have a hard time. I like the small town atmosphere and that's not here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and really when, in, in Arizona, there are small towns, but they also are just deserts. So I'm not sure why you want to live out there either. (laughs) So, you know, like you see these really small towns where there's like no trees. I'm like, oh honey, at least we don't live there. You know, like I don't love the (laughs) desert, but yeah. Like when
0: I visited Tombstone, I'm like, this is super duper cool, but like, I wouldn't want to live here, but obviously, I mean, people do. So there must be somebody in, so I don't want to right. offend anyone I, else, but yeah. yeah. Everybody has their
1: area and I do. I miss the big trees. I miss the green. So I think going yeah. any more desert would just do me in. Um, But I thought about like the Northeast, I mean, Northwest. I thought about, I would like kind of in my mind where I would like the next series, I would like to have just something different and farther. And then like they maybe even have, well, so my, I don't know. I have an idea to actually take a character from Heritage and then move them that direction oh, so I like even though they're, they're not they're not the same series or not but that they have this connection that yeah um so I kind of thought about that so i need it far i wanted it far enough away that it's not like they just kind of walked over from the next town yeah you know, yeah of, yeah i don't want them always showing up you know what i mean like I, I mean yes this i like this connection but i don't i don't need these characters to keep wandering every 10 minutes in the town because i just it's complicated. it's harder. Second book to bring every. I can't bring everybody that was in the first book into this book. I can't. Yeah. There's just too many people because I have yeah. to introduce new characters, and I can't have a million of the last characters in there. You know what I'm saying? So, and different people know different people. So, for example, Lucy, who's Hannah's aunt, plays a big role in the first book, and we see her in the second book, but just barely because the main character living would not know her. You know, what I mean, yeah. she knows of her, but she doesn't really have that connection with her. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, um,
0: it's different. You know I mean? That, yeah. That's
1: a challenge is like, I can't, I can't bring all these people. in.
0: See, now I just want to sit here and brainstorm all the different ways. I'm like, Oh, but you know, the, the, the two or three times that you've lived in a city and you've run into someone, you know, right. um, you're like, how did that happen? We were at the Copenhagen airport and there was one of our coworkers. We're like, Oh, where are you going? Well, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, um, I think this happens to me um, not because I'm so cool, but because I have a really unusual name. I'll find out that one of my friends met another of my friends and somehow realized that they both knew the same person, but in some really weird way that... So because I've had weird experiences, I'm like, oh, oh, let's do a weird experience where like one person moves to Seattle and then something happens and then all the the trilogies are tied together anyway I think it's a great yeah. idea I hope you well, find a way
1: to do it <laughs> yeah and Susan May Warren has gotten so she does that a lot of her books are connected now you really pay attention right. to her old ones like all of a sudden you're like one time I was reading one of her books or listening to I don't remember which book it was now but she went back to her um t- you know the Taming Rafe series I know it's not what it's called but there's one book called Taming Rafe, and but it's a whole series well she went back to the the guy, one of the guys, we realized is a little kid from that series. He was like ten or twelve in that series, but it's been years, and now he's grown up, and he's like twenty-two. And I'm like, oh, and like he goes home, and then you see these characters, and you're like, oh my word, these are the characters we saw.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: she's, so, she's so good about doing that. She's brilliant when it comes to that. And I'm like, that's how we do.
0: So. I love it. Oh, you yeah, have some so much fun in front of you.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. All right. I'll, show, well, you my, I'll show you oh, my book. Yes. It's cover if you haven't seen it.
0: Oh, so. if you're not watching on YouTube, that's a beautiful cover.
1: Yes, I actually get compliments all the time. Like, oh my word. I just love this cover. And I'm like, thank you. I feel like funny saying thank you though. Cause I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you for letting me. <laughs> I, I like it too. Because yeah. I have no control over what happens, and I just really feel really fortunate. I like my cover. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then you kind of um start thinking, "Oh, okay, so the next two are going to have that same kind of feel and it's cut. It's got kind of a romantic, soft, I don't know, makes me feel happy feel to it just yeah. looking at it, you know." <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious whether the next ones look at I'm just excited it has finally has a title. So. Oh, good.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, where can readers uh sorry, I always say that every time and I keep telling myself listeners. Hopefully readers too, where can listeners find you and your books?
1: Yeah. You can always find me at my website, which is um, terryferris.com. Now my name is spelled Terry, T-A-R-I, and then it's Ferris, F-A-R-I-S, which I know is very unique And both of them. People have a hard time remember that. I always say it's like Terry, like Ontario, <laughs> and Ferris, like Paris with an F. And, nice. Uh, so that's what, uh, but terryferris.com. You can find me. It has all the information. It'll say where to buy my book. It has all the links to buy my books at different places, depending on where you prefer to buy it. But it's available at all the places that sell books. Um, and you, I, you can connect with me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. Uh, again, I have a newsletter. Right now, if you sign up, you get the free prequel. So that is, you can sign up right on the front of my website. Um, and I'm trying to think, what else? Um...
0: Writers' conferences? I, I do.
1: I, yes, I go to ACFW every year. At least I try to go to ACFW every year. This year, I am will be at Book Lovers Con. So if you are a person who likes to attend that, I will be there this year. I'm excited. And I will be one of the authors next year at the Story Fest, which is an uh, uh, event for readers that is connected to ACFW. I am oh, wow. signed up as an author for Story Fest as well as I'll be attending, if you're a writer, ACFW. So, and nice. hopefully I taught, I did help Susan A Warren teach a class at ACFW this year. And I hope to, to teach a class next year too. We'll see.
0: Sweet. Plus you're writing on um, learn to write a novel.com, right?
1: I am writing on learn to write a novel.com. And I do help teach at uh, the My Book Therapy pep talk on Thursday nights. And that is a member, is a paid membership. But like I said, it's a great community. If you are a writer and you are looking for a community to plug in and encourage you in your writing and also give you great, uh, Writing advice and and lessons along the way, I highly recommend it at novel.academy. Or you can just go to mybooktherapy.com and go lead you there. And I teach probably about once a month there.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, Terry, I have to say it's always a pleasure talking to another Michigander and always fun to talk to somebody who, who writes books that I really, really am enjoying reading. So thank you for writing something I'm loving so much and thanks for being on the show
1: thank you so much for having me and i just it's a privilege to write it's a privilege to uh to talk about my writing and i just am so thankful for each day i get to do it and i'm excited about where my writing journey will go and so we'll see